listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I I hate to see Christians um, living in frustration. I hate that. And it's a terrible way to live your life. It's a terrible way to be. Nobody wants to live in a place of frustration. Nobody wants to be in that, uh, in that place in life where you know you should be moving forward. You know things should be happening. You know that uh, you know, you've got promises that are not being fulfilled. You're not seeing things come to pass. There's nothing worse than that feeling of uh, feels like you're stuck. You know, you feel like you're stuck. You feel like you, um, you're, you're not where you should be. And uh, nobody likes to feel that. Nobody wants to be in that place. And uh, obviously God doesn't want you there in that place. And so I want to talk about five reasons today why you might be in that spot, why you might be frustrated with life. Um, and as a Christian, as you know, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, as you know, uh, we believe this. I teach this constantly. God's uh, desire for your life is that you um, increase steadily until the return of Jesus. So God's desire is not that you are floundering or stuck or frustrated um, in one place. He wants to see you increase. He has a plan for that to happen. And so I want to just kind of go over five things that I've seen that are uh, very common. Unfortunately, they're very common. And it's the reason why some people are frustrated and they remain stuck in, in in one place where they're at. And you don't want to be there. So it'll help for you to, to see these from scripture and understand how to move past them, how to overcome what would be like five, uh, if you would, roadblocks that would keep you from moving forward and get you out of that place of frustration so that you can feel that peace, that joy, that strength and run your race with momentum. You know, we want to run our race and finish our course. Like Paul said, I have run my race. I have finished my course. And so by faith, Even if you're in that spot right now, I want you to put it in the comments today. I will run my race. I will finish my course. You're anointed to run your race. You're anointed to finish your course. So I want you to put it in. I will run my race. I will finish my course. I will run my race. I will finish my course. No question. You're anointed to do so. And so let me, let me just deal with uh, these five areas today that are very common. I've seen them a lot, heard them a lot as I've spoken with believers. These are five areas that come up, not all at once, but with different people, one, two of these may be present, keeping them in a place of frustration. And so let's deal with it. Number one, and thank you to everybody who takes the time to make notes. Thank you to everybody that takes time to put it in the comments. Um, and, and also the, the verses of scripture and all that. I really appreciate your diligence. Um, and again, if you're just, if you're not watching live, but maybe you just jumped on and this is the replay for you, uh, again, put it in the, uh, put it in the comments. Let us know you're watching the replay. Hashtag replay tribe. Number one, unsure which way you should go. That's the number one reason I've seen uh, why people are frustrated in life lack of direction, unsure which way to go. That's number one. They have a lack of direction. They're not, they're not sure which way they should be going at this point. What's up, Chris? A lack of direction. They're not sure which way they should go. That is a frustrating place to be. I mean, have you ever actually been lost? Um, in, 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 like driving somewhere? Have you ever actually just been lost? This was a lot easier. It was a lot easier to get lost before there were phones, before you could just open Google Maps or Apple Maps, punch in your destination and let the thing guide you. It was a lot easier to get lost back then. I remember we were traveling when I was younger with my father and there was none of that. And there were no GPSs either that you could put on the windshield uh, or built into the car. It was just, my dad would pull out the Rand McNally Atlas and it was like this big. 
It was huge. You'd unfold that thing and he'd lay it on the steering wheel and he'd pull out a highlighter. And a lot of these churches, some of these churches we'd go to were in very rural parts of America. So if you're driving from, you know, West Virginia up to rural parts of Indiana or, or whatever, you know, you're, you're not just going to be on the interstate. You're going to have to hit county roads and back roads and, you know, all this stuff. And I can remember my dad pulling over as we got gas or got something to eat and pull out. He'd pull out that big Rand McNally Atlas map and he'd open it up to the state we were in currently. He'd take a highlighter and he'd highlight what roads that we needed to, to take in order to get uh, to the church or to the pastor's house. And this was before you could even go on Yahoo Maps or any of that and print out directions. That's kind of been like the, that's kind of been the progression. It was like we had maps and then we were able to go on like Yahoo Maps or whatever and print out our directions. <laughs> who's, who's old enough to remember that? Where you actually were going on a trip so you would print out your directions. And then, you know, whatever. Then we got GPSs and now phones. But before then, it was easier to get lost. Much, much yeah, MapQuest. It was easier to get lost back then. And, and it's because you might get to a spot and you didn't know which way you were supposed to go. You didn't know which way you were supposed to go. We went to preach one time in Pennsylvania. And it was just me. And then Zach uh, Ramsey was with me. And he was driving me. And... Um, they put us in this, this place to stay. And I said, well, Zach, look up the church so that we can get there tonight for the meeting. And, uh, he looked it up and he was like, man, I don't know why they would have put us in this place to stay. Uh, the church is like an, almost an hour away from this place we're staying. I was like, well, we better get ready and leave early then because you know, we don't want to be late for church. So we leave it like an hour before church starts and he's got this in. We go all the way out to where the GPS took us. And we get there, it says, you have arrived and there's no church anywhere to be seen. And we're sitting there like, I'm supposed to preach tonight. Like what? There's no church. There's nothing around. There's like a gas station. And we were so far out, there was no cell signal. So we couldn't call anybody and we couldn't. So we're now we're like frustrated and we're like, how are we going to get to church? We go into the gas station like, I've never heard of a church like that <laughs> or something. So we finally got enough signal for somebody to, that was already at the church to send us their location. And we, we finally got, we realized when they sent it to us, we're an hour away from the actual church now. And now I showed up an hour late to church. Well, somehow it was like their old location that got left on Google or something like that. I don't know the full story. Zach also could have been, you know, doing methamphetamines. I don't know exactly what was happening, but we finally made it to church. But you know how frustrating it is to be out in the middle of nowhere, don't know where you are, don't know where you should be going, don't know which way to go. And literally people's lives are like that. People's lives are like that. They're, they feel stranded and they don't know which way to go. They, they don't know what they should be doing. This is a problem because uh, God wants you to, <laughs> Zach, we had an address demon. We were being buffeted by an address demon and a signal demon that was holding the signal back from our phones. It was the prince and the power of the air. Anyway, we'll deal with that tomorrow. Um, God doesn't want you to be unsure which way you should go. God doesn't want you to be stranded with no direction. We realize that's the point of having the Holy Spirit. He is not just a comforter. He's a guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide and wants to give us direction about which way we're supposed to go. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, that as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans eight, let's go there together. Romans eight fourteen. as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. And so the spirit of God leads Christians, guides Christians. He'll guide you into all truth. The Bible says in the gospel of John, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He will not only lead you and guide you into all truth. He will lead you and guide you in the way you should go in life. Amen. 
And though he didn't live inside of, belie- of, of people that were followers of God in the Old Testament, he would still lead them, whether by a prophet, he would come and lead them by an angel, lead them himself. He still led them, led them through the wilderness. In fact, in Isaiah 48, 17, a verse that I quote often, the Bible says, I am the Lord, your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Isaiah 48 and verse 17, Isaiah 48, 17, I lead you in the way you should go. That's old Testament. And they didn't even have the Holy spirit dwelling in them. So how much more in the new Testament, Romans 8, 14, is he able to lead us and guide us into all truth, lead us and guide us in our life, in the path that he's laid out for us to walk? Of course he does. We need divine direction. Every believer requires divine direction. So you may ask yourself, then why are there Christians who feel stranded? Why are there Christians that do not have clear direction? Well, I would say one of the reasons that Christians don't have clear direction is because at large in America and around the world, Christians, and this is actually statistics speaking here, they don't spend much time at all in prayer. And almost no one spends time in fasting and prayer. This is one of the reasons that people don't have clear direction. Almost nobody spends time, significant time, in prayer, and and literally next to no one spends time in fasting and prayer. But this is how God speaks. This is how we can quiet the flesh and listen to the Spirit of God. And remember that prayer is a dialogue, it's not a monologue. And many Christians treat prayer like it is a monologue. Like they need to be speaking the whole time, speaking the whole time. What kind of a conversation can you have with a person if you're just the only one speaking the whole time? Nobody likes to have a conversation with someone like that. I'm sure many of you could raise your hand and say, I know people like that, that you can't get a word in edgewise. They talk the whole time. Listen, if if, if the last five things I've said to you in the conversation are, man, that's crazy. It's a sign that I'm sick of talking to you and I just want to go do something else. Wow, that's crazy. It's not really crazy, but how am I supposed to respond? I don't want to hear anything anymore about how your cat has an innate ability to find pests and rodents. I mean, it's like she's supernaturally guided to them. It's like every day she's bringing back something to the porch. And I feel, you know what, to be honest with you, I think my cat's anointed to keep pests away from my house. Ah, ah, that's crazy. I don't want to hear about it. I'm done. And if somebody's doing all the talking, it's not a conversation. It's a harassment. It's a harassment. And I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. And I, I wonder sometimes, it's not that I, you know, God doesn't love to hear from us, but do you know what, if you had to stop, <laughs> if you had to stop and think about it, Right? Um, if you had to stop and think about it, it's not that God doesn't want to hear from us. He wants us to pray. He wants us to make our requests known. He wants us to speak to him. But if we have to think about weighing those options, what do you think is more important? I'm going to pose a question to you. What do you think is more important? What we say to God or what he says to us? Think about that for a minute. What do you think is more important? What we say to God or what he says to us. And you can write it in the comments what you think about that. What we say to God or what he says to us. And it is. I agree. I love you, Jeff. I agree with you, Kim and Angela and Lynn. It is what he says to us. It's what God says to us. That's the life that he gives us. That's life giving. Why do I say that's life? Look what Jesus said in John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And yes, Frank, I'm not minimizing what we say to God. Of course, our prayers are important. In fact, 
uh, the Bible's very clear that the prayers of the righteous man uh, avails much and makes much power available. We know that. I'm not minimizing what we say in prayer, but obviously if we were to compare the two, then the things God say, says to us are more important than the things we say to them, to him. And so <clears throat> when I'm going through this, the point I'm trying to make is if we're in prayer, how much time do people give to literally after they speak to God, then to quiet themselves and listen for the voice of the Lord. I want to hear him speaking to me. I want to sense in my spirit, my direction from heaven. And many times fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer is helpful because it will literally subdue your flesh. Did you ever consider that maybe the reason that we don't hear as clearly all the time from the Lord is because maybe our flesh nature has become too strong. Maybe our carnal nature is being given more attention than our spiritual nature. And that's what I'm teaching, Obina, is that we fast and pray. We fast and pray. And then when we're in prayer, we don't have to speak the whole time. We don't have to speak the whole time. Uh, there are times that after I've prayed, and, and if you've read my book on fasting, you'll know that I'll begin by thanking God and praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. I'll begin by thanking him and praising him. Then in the middle, I'll pray kingdom prayers and then I'll make my requests known to God. And then I'll finish by thanking and praising him again. And then uh, as I go beyond that and I want to hear from the Lord, maybe then I'll stop speaking. Maybe under my breath, I'll just maybe continue to pray in the spirit uh, and continually build up myself on my most holy faith and encourage myself in the Lord, but I'm listening. I may pray in the spirit quietly or, or under my breath, but I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay in tune with the voice of the father and I'm listening. I'm listening for instruction. I'm listening for instruction. So when I say I'm quieting myself, I mean, I'm not sitting there the whole time speaking to God, telling him what I want or asking him for things and nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. But I also want to hear from him. I need direction for my life. I need direction for my ministry. I need direction as we move forward to know what God wants us to do. So very important. And I believe that one of the reasons Christians don't have it is because, and I read a statistic, I put it in, in my book on praise, laugh, repeat. Uh, the average Christian prays for less than five minutes a day, five minutes a day. That's insufficient. I mean, even the early church prayed for an hour a day at a minimum. Five minutes a day is insufficient. It is insufficient. I mean, imagine if you only talk to your spouse for five minutes a day. What if you only talk to your children for five minutes a day? You know very clearly it's insufficient. <clears throat> it's insufficient. And then literally, unless you somehow were brought up in this culture or uh, you have a, a spiritual leader that teaches it and models it, Many of them don't fast. They don't fast. But fasting and prayer is something we should do. The Bible's clear on it. Clear on it. At some point, we should be fasting and praying. And so um, those two things will open doors for you to hear from God. No question about it. And so many people are unsure which way they should go because they're not spending time in the presence of God and properly communicating with him. Amen. <laughs> Linan said insufficient is a gentle word. It's not just even close. He's worthy. And that's right. We should spend more time uh, in his, I, I know Leslie, 24 hours in a day. And if you want to give it up 16 waking hours, 16 waking hours, and people are giving God five minutes and it's insufficient. And we wonder why many are in the state that they're in. They don't care about his presence. So uh, the proof is in what they do, Right. The proof is in what they do, not what they say. I love God. I'm sold out to God. Well, how come you never talk to him? How come you never read his word? How come you don't go to his house faithfully? How come you don't give? How come you don't win souls? So I'm sold out to God. I love God. Okay, well, where's the proof? Where's the proof? So we need to know that God wants us to have direction, but in order to hear from him, we need to be in his presence. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting. 
I will say this with you or to you. I will not make any, especially life decision without fasting and prayer. I never have, and I never will. I didn't choose which Bible school to go to. I didn't even uh, decide to go into the ministry and fully send my life in that direction without fasting and prayer. Then once I, I knew that I would conform myself to that calling of God, then I said, okay, where am I supposed to go to school? I fasted and prayed about that. And then what am I supposed to do next with my ministry? I fasted and prayed about that. In 2003, when I got out of Bible school, and I was traveling as an evangelist in 2003, and I knew that there was a change to be made, I fasted and prayed about that. And God gave me direction, and I made the choice based on God's direction. But then again, in 2009, I knew another change was coming to go from the church that I was on staff uh, with my uncle to back to full-time evangelism. And, it, and I fasted and prayed about that. And then we did it in 2010, and I kept on doing it. And, and kept on doing what the Lord told me to do. And then again, in 2016, I knew there was another change coming. So what do we do? We fasted and prayed about that. God moved our whole ministry to South Florida from Virginia Beach. Only because, not because any other reason other than the Holy Ghost gave me direction. That's it. And I fasted and prayed about that. And then I did it. And then I did it. <clears throat> and everything we've done, every major decision. I didn't just ask Carolyn to marry me. I fasted and prayed about that. For three days, fasted and prayed about that. Three days in 2005, in March. That's exactly what I did. Good Friday through Easter Sunday, fasted and prayed about that till I got a word from the Lord. I said, Lord, if she's not the one, let me know, I'll move on. But if she is, then give me an answer here in prayer. And he did. He gave it to me Easter Sunday afternoon. Got the green light from the Holy Ghost, move forward. Yes, I fasted and prayed about that. I don't just do things. I want to do what God wants me to do, but I can't know that unless I hear his voice. And I don't mean audibly hear his voice. Like he spoke in my, in, in my room, you must I, in my spirit, the Holy spirit lives within you and he can speak to you from within. You can have a knowing in your spirit. You can have a knowing in your spirit. Patsy asked the question, or sorry, Nancy asked the question, how often do you fast in a year, Ted? Um, it, it's, it's different all the time. Um, we always start the year with fasting and prayer in January, 21 days of fasting and prayer. But then throughout the year, we'll do different times of fast and they won't be as long always. Um, a few days here, a few days there. Sometimes we'll do another extended fast in the middle of the year, uh, me and the team just got off of another one, extended fast. Uh, but uh, beyond that, you just do it as you are led. Or you can just choose. There's no scriptures in the Bible that tell us when to fast. There's no scriptures in the Bible that tell us how long to fast. And that's why I wrote the book on the complete guide to biblical fasting, because I wanted people to understand it's something we should be doing, but at the same time, there's no biblical example of how long or how often, but you should be doing it. So we, we endeavor to do that. When I was on staff at the church in Virginia, one of the things that they do and still do now is they will give God three days of fasting and prayer every month, three days every month. And what that is, if you count it up, that's 36 days by the end of the year. Well, that's a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. So if you thought of it that way, I'm just going to give God three days every month that I fast and pray. That's a tithe of your year. Think of it that way. But again, don't, it doesn't have to be legalistic. You, you do as much or as little as you feel, but you got to do something. The Bible's clear. You got to do something. But the reason people don't have clear direction and they're frustrated is because they don't spend time in prayer. And they don't spend time in fasting and prayer. They don't spend time in God's presence. And so you, he, many times your, your, your flesh nature, your carnal nature is stronger and given more um, freedom than your spirit man. <laughs> Tim said, I'll never forget this quote from your fasting book on the Daniel fast. Um, I knew I'd follow you forever. It, Need dessert? Grab yourself some Daniel fast banana bread or Daniel fast cobbler. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Daniel fast. And so 
That's number one. One of, the, one of the main reasons people are frustrated in life is because they don't have clear direction. They don't know which way to go, but you can know which way to go. You can have clear direction, stay in his presence, fast, pray, let God speak to you about your life, your family, your business, your ministry, and the Lord will speak to you. Absolutely, he will. Um, number two, the second reason that people become frustrated with their life is because they allow wrong input from other people. Wrong voices in their life. Put that in the comments. That's another reason. Number two, wrong input from other people, wrong voices. They're listening to the wrong voices. You're welcome, Nancy. They're listening to the wrong voices. That's a mistake, man. Too many voices. Listening to too many people. Getting too much input from the wrong people. From the wrong people. I don't want that. I don't need everybody's voice in my life. I need the right people's voices in my life. You say, all right, what do you mean by that? Can you break that down for us? Absolutely. So you say, what voices do I need in my life? Well, number one, Uh, as I just covered, you need the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me say something that my father has preached for years. Are you ready for this? God does not have an unlisted phone number. (laughs) You remember that used to go back to the days of the phone book and you could used to be able to look people's number up in the phone book, but then there were people that could have an unlisted number. It wasn't found in the phone book and you had to get it another way or from somebody that knew them or whatever. God doesn't have an unlisted phone number. He's able to be contacted by all of his children. The reason I say that, that God doesn't have an unlisted phone number, is because there are some people that feel like, well, I need a preacher to tell me, or I need another believer to tell me, or I need someone to prophesy over me, or I need, but here's the deal. And this is important, and I want you to hear this, because there's been wrong teaching about this as well. We don't live in the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is, as Christians, we are not led by prophets, nor are we led by prophecy. Now, hear me. Don't take this out of context. I'm not telling you that prophecy does not uh, happen today or it's not for today. I'm not telling you there are not prophets today. There are prophets still operating today. There is prophecy still going forth today. And we do need prophecy. We do need prophecy. The nine gifts of the spirit are still in operation. Don't hear this the wrong way. We need those things from, from the Holy ghost, but we are not led by prophecy. So what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is in the old Testament, they needed prophets to tell them which way God wanted them to go in the new Testament. Every one of us has access to the voice of the Holy Spirit, not just prophets. Every Christian has access to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So if you get a prophetic word that doesn't line up with your spirit, meaning the Lord gave you a different leading in your spirit than some quote unquote prophetic word you got. I'm not going to trust the prophetic word. I'm going to trust the Holy spirit that's within me. And you can know if somebody gives you a word, that's not for you. You'll feel the check in your spirit. You'll know, no, that's not right. That's not, that's not from the Lord. That's not for me. Either that person missed it or that's not from God or whatever it might be. Uh, that's not for me. You can know in your spirit that that's not right. It's not a word for you. I'm not led by someone else's prophecy. I'm not led by somebody else's prophetic word. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. Remember, we read that. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So I don't... and, And listen, I receive prophecy. I receive prophets. But they need to be a voice that is valid. They need to have fruit in their ministry. I'm not talking about parking lot prophets and bathroom prophets and hallway prophets pulling you to the side in the church. Brother, I got a word for you today. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true ministries that have fruit being produced, that have a, 
a track record of integrity and a track record of um, faithfulness, that's who I would listen to. I don't listen to people that don't have a track record of integrity and fruit. I would never. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got the Holy Ghost living within me. So we, number one, we need his voice. Number two, you need the voice of your spiritual leaders. No question about that. I am not in the crowd of people. These people are, are absolute fools that teach and believe, well, I'm a Christian. I don't need church and I don't need preachers. I've got the Holy Ghost. That's not how God set it up, nor do I believe that foolish nonsense. The Bible speaks very specifically that God gave gifts unto men. Those gifts are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. He set them in the church for the perfecting, the equipping of the saints. There's no question about it. You need, and I need, the voice of a spiritual leader in my life. We need the voices of the fivefold ministry gift in our lives that are teaching proper doctrine, that are full of faith, and that are equipping us for the work to which we've been called. I have a pastor. Now, I am a preacher. I'm an evangelist, but I have a pastor who has a track record of fruit and integrity and faithfulness and dedication. And he speaks to me and I listen to what he says. And when he gives me advice, I take it. I don't take it with a grain of salt. I take it with, it's, it, it, it weighs very heavily. It weighs very heavily. My father is a spiritual voice in my life. He's my spiritual father and my natural father. If he gives me advice, I take it seriously. I listen to it. If he prophesies to me, the building I'm sitting in, he prophesied and drew by the spirit and it came to pass. I listen to the voice of my father, who's my spiritual and natural father and a spiritual leader. He operates in the prophetic office. No question about that. Anybody that doesn't see that or understand it doesn't understand what the prophetic office is. I listen to my pastor. I listen to other spiritual leaders and it's not a ton. It's the ones that are willing to speak into my life that have a track record of integrity, faithfulness, and fruit production. You understand? So I need number two, the voices of spiritual leaders that have proper doctrine and are full of faith. So number one, the Holy Spirit's voice. Number two, the voices of spiritual leaders that are on the money. And we know that by their integrity, by their faithfulness, their dedication, and their proper doctrine and their faith. That's how we know. And then number three, the third, the third uh, set of voices, of course, my spiritual father is not my pastor, Nancy. It's my father and he's not my pastor. My pastor is my pastor and my father is my spiritual father. So yes, you can. Um, but number three, I need voices in my life that are people, other brothers and sisters in Christ that are full of faith. I've basically cut off every voice in my life that it would be a voice of doubt, unbelief, discouragement, any of that. I've cut it out. I don't have people speaking into my life. I don't give them access into my life. People that are filled with doubt and unbelief, no access. You don't get access to me because I have no time for doubt and unbelief. I have no time for speaking fear all the time. Anxiety, I have no time for that. I need people around me that are filled with faith. I'm not going to live in someone else's frustration. That's what I'm talking about right now. Many people that are speaking into other people are frustrated and they speak that frustration, fear, doubt, and unbelief right into their life. That's why you don't cast your pearls before swine. That's why you don't tell everything that you're believing for to everyone. They don't all get it. They don't even all have the faith for it. So you don't, you don't uh, sit around and tell everybody everything that's going on because you know what you're going to get from some people? Well, I know you think it's going to go that way, brother, but let me just tell you, you need to be very careful. And it always sounds like they care about you. But in reality, the vision that you have is too big for their spirit. Now, if I have that, if I get a word like that from someone I trust, a spiritual leader that's done far more than I have, you better believe I'm going to listen to it. And be like, you know what, you, pastor, I'm going to weigh that, what you just told me. 
And they'll say, hey, listen, I, I would think about that before you do it because, you know, I've been where you're at. I understand how it works. I've got some experience under my belt. I would think about it in another way. If I get that kind of a word from a spiritual leader that number one, has faith, speaks faith, preaches faith, and has results and fruit, then of course I'm going to listen. Of course I'm going to listen. But I'm not taking that just from anybody. Some Christian comes up speaking doubt and unbelief. And that person of faith is not speaking doubt and unbelief. They're just telling me that might not be the, the most wise move that you can make. That might not be the best way to go about doing that. And then I'm, because they're, what their criticism is going to be constructive. It's going to help you build. It's not going to tear you down. It's going to help you build. And that's the difference destructive criticism and constructive criticism. I don't have time for people that have never done what I've done, never been where I've been. They're they're not on the level I'm at now, but they're going to tell me to say, oh, well, yeah, I don't know that you should, I don't know you should do that. I don't, I don't think you should do that. I I think you need, you're really just biting off more than you can chew. Doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief. I don't have time for it. Think about it. The man on the mat who was paralyzed would not have gotten his miracle if he didn't have friends that were willing to pick him up and take him to the anointing. And when they saw the house was full, climb on the roof, tear the roof up and lower him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks and the Bible says, and Jesus seeing their faith, that's all of them, the man and his friends. I need people that have faith that would literally carry me to the anointing if necessary, that would tear the roof off, that would lower me to Jesus if necessary. I need those kind of friends that'll speak faith in the midst of a, a, a time of scarcity, time of lack, depression, whatever it might be, they'll speak faith. No, no, no. Let God use you. God's going to open doors for you, right? I need those kinds of voices in my life. That's who I'm looking for. Those are the voices and and stop listening to everybody and stop sharing your vision with everybody. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. So that's number two. Second reason that people are frustrated. Number one, no lack of direction. Number two, wrong voices in their life. Number three, they have insufficient resources. That's the third reason that people are frustrated about where they're at in life. They don't have the proper resources to do what God's called them to do. They don't have the proper resources. So what does that mean? They don't have the finances to bring it to pass. They don't have the help. They don't have, they don't have anything they need. And one of the things that you'll find is if you're in a place of insufficient resources, um, it could be a few things, right? It could be a few things. Number one, it could be that you don't have clear direction, so you're not doing the thing that God's called you to do. You've not gotten started. So because you haven't, the resources are not there to carry out your purpose because you're not doing your purpose. And that's a very valid reason. If, if you start doing something that you think you're supposed to be doing and no doors are opening and no resources are coming and it's not breaking through, it might be a sign you're not supposed to be doing that thing. Because God God opens doors for people that are doing what he's called them to do. He makes a way. He brings provision when people are doing what they're supposed to do. Right? So it might be a sign to you that you're doing the wrong thing. No doors opening. No breakthroughs. No resources coming in. Might be the wrong avenue. So you either didn't get started or, again, you're doing the wrong thing. Either you haven't gotten started because you don't know which way to go. Or you're doing the wrong thing, you're going the wrong direction, and God's not blessing it because he didn't call you to do it. And the third reason that you have insufficient resources is because you've not been sowing like you should have been sowing. There's no question in the scripture that the level to which you give determines the level to which you receive. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Insufficient resources can oftentimes come from insufficient seeds sown. And there's no question about that. That's, and, and people don't understand why I teach like this. And, and I don't care about what, you know, there's people that get on. All this guy talks about is money. Well, let me tell you something. If money's the only thing holding you back from the purpose that God has called you to accomplish, then you need some money. 
And God is all for his people having everything they need plus more to do what they're called to do. It's all through scripture. And there are reasons people don't have what they're supposed to have. And according to the apostle Paul, one of the reasons that people don't have the harvest they're believing for is because they're sowing sparingly or they're not sowing what they should be sowing. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. So if you're sowing the wrong thing, you're going to get the wrong harvest. And if you're sowing sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. This is why I do not flippantly sow anything. I don't flippantly sow. I just don't toss a $20 bill in the offering plate. What a slap in the face that would be for Jesus from my life, knowing how he's blessed me and the level that he's taken my family to. And I bring him a $20 bill on Sunday morning. I can't even imagine doing that. I can't even imagine giving him a hundred dollars. I can't, I can't imagine doing that. You have to sow at the level to which God's blessed you. Don't tell me you just bought a bass boat for $8,500 and you've never given a thousand dollars in an offering. That shows me that you care more about fishing for bass than you do about the kingdom of God. And I don't care what people say. They can say all day long, I'm sold out to Jesus. I love the Lord. Prove it. Prove it by how you put him first. Don't tell me that you just dropped 20 grand on a vacation. You just took all your family to Disney World and spent $15,000, but you've never put $1,000 in an offering plate. Don't act like, you know, you've done God some big service when you know the level to which he's blessed you, but you do not reciprocate. And I'm not saying this because I'm taking an offering because I'm not taking an offering. I'm not even a pastor and I don't take your tithes. I don't receive tithes. I'm not a pastor. I'm just telling you this to help you. No, I'm not telling you this because I'm taking an offering because I'm not taking an offering. I'm telling you this to teach you how to not be frustrated with your call in life and purpose. Because if you want the resources to accomplish it, you better start sowing. And you better set goals to break your sowing from last year records and, and, and year before and continually increase. Set those goals and say, I'm going to give more this year than I did last year because I'm believing for increase. How can God increase me if I don't increase what I do for him? That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. And so I want you to get this again. If anybody's watching that doesn't know me, I'm not teaching this to manipulate anybody to give because I'm not receiving an offering right now. I'm saying this because I love you and I want you to have more than enough to fulfill your purpose because you are anointed. You do have a call upon your life. God has set you apart for this final moment of time before Jesus comes. And in order to complete your calling to accomplish your purpose, then you have to have the resources to do it. Let me tell you something. Anybody that says, well, the gospel's free, brother. All it, all it takes is you telling somebody about Jesus. Yeah, good luck winning the world one person at a time. Anybody that does anything significant for the Lord throughout history has had to have the resources to do it. Anybody. You go read any story, have to have the resources to accomplish it. They have to. I mean, unless all you're going to do is just sit in like your basement and make YouTube videos, that's free. But you still have to have the money to buy the camera. <laughs> still have to have the money for the internet access every month. So you're believing for something to do, but it's at a very, very tiny level. So you can stay at a tiny level if you want to stay at a tiny level, but if you want to make impact in your calling and your purpose, you have to have the resources to do so. And many times people don't because either they're not doing what they're called to do They've not started because they don't have direction or they're not sowing like they should sow. So I always pray and I say, Lord, my wife just told me yesterday, we just broke another giving record last year. And it was mind blowing to me. It was mind blowing when she told me the totals of what we gave last year. It just blew my mind because I'm not just constantly keeping track of it. We're just giving like crazy. And it, it blew my mind how much we gave last year. And, and I would have never thought it, but my God, I'm so thankful right now. I could dance around this place because you know, what my prayers been Lord, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown and let us give so largely to your kingdom that it even makes the accountant nervous. I mean, like I want to give big and God has, he, he's answered our prayer. You know why he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. I'm a sower. I prayed for him to give me seed. He gave me seed. I didn't eat it. I sowed it. Woo, glory to God. I sowed it. 
and God is bringing the increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, I made up my mind. I'm never going to be in the place that I don't have enough resources because I've held back God's seed. Never going to do it. He gives seed to the sower and the sower sows the seed and God multiplies the seed sown and brings back a harvest. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because, and I want, uh, Tim makes the comment on YouTube. I didn't eat it. I sowed it. Repeating that quote. Understand that because that's a temptation. You get that that comes into your hand and then you see it. Oh, there's so many things I could do with this money. There's so many things I could do with this. You know what I could buy? You know what I could have? You know where we could go? No, it's a seed. Sow your seed. Sow your seed. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And people laugh when I make this comment, but it's, it's, it's deep, actually, if you think about it. The seed is not for eating and the bread is not for sowing. The seed is not for eating and the bread is not for sowing. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, the bread is also not your harvest. There are three things we need to understand. There's a seed, there's bread, and then there's the harvest. He gives seed to the sower. He gives bread to the eater. And the harvest comes because he multiplied the seed sown, right? So what is the bread? The bread is what you what sustains you, what you consume as you wait for your harvest. The seed goes out, it is being multiplied. The bread is for the eater. I've got news for you. The sower and the eater are the same person. I need to sow, but I also need to eat. So what does he do? He gives me seed to sow that he'll multiply and he gives me bread to eat. The bread's not my harvest. The bread sustains me until my harvest comes. And get this in your spirit. Every harvest, please put this in the comments and never forget it. Write it in your notes, write it in your Bible next to 2 Corinthians 9. Every harvest contains within it your next seed. Please get that. Every harvest, there is no harvest that is 100% for you. Please understand, there is no harvest that comes into your hands that is 100% for you. What do I mean by that? Every harvest contains within it the tithe of that harvest that's to go back to God, but also seed that you're sowing for your next harvest. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Every harvest contains your next seed. There is no harvest that's 100% for you to consume. If you consume all of your harvest, you've got no tithe and you've got no seed. And so get it. It's a constant process, constant process, constant process. The harvest comes in. I take and give my tithe from my harvest. I take and give my seed for my harvest. And then the rest is for me to do what I want with it. I'm not teaching on that, Keegan, but you yield your flesh nature to the Holy Spirit. You take control over yourself. You pray in the Holy Spirit. Ask God to give you peace. Ask God to give you uh, that self-control, which he has through the Holy Spirit. And you take authority over your flesh. You take authority over that anger by self-control, which is a Holy Spirit gift. And then you do what the Bible says. Forgive those that have wronged you. Walk in peace. Be a peacemaker. And that's a seed. That's a seed. Walking in peace with others is a seed. Yielding to the Holy Ghost is a seed. Taking control of your flesh is a seed. And it produces a harvest, Keegan. Every harvest contains the next seed. So there's no harvest that's 100% for you. I love you, Keegan. There's no harvest that's 100% for you. Just keep that in your spirit. There There ought to be a tithe and a seed in every harvest that comes back into your hand. Every one. That's the way to ensure you keep having harvests. Don't stop the process. Don't cut short what God wants to do. It's a never-ending system. Genesis 8, 22. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Amen. Man, time is flying by in this broadcast today. Um, number four. 
Another reason people are frustrated is because, and I touched on this briefly, they've got no impartation connections. No impartation. No connections of impartation. There ought to be somebody in your life that's imparting to you. Thank you, Hildy. Or Heidi. I guess I says Heidi. Put the website in for them if they like the shirt. There's been like five people that say they like the shirt. We'll give you the website where you can get, get these products. Christian Maker in Georgia. Child of God Co. No connections of impartation. What, is, what does that mean? It means there should be someone above you, and it's always a spiritual leader, should be someone above you that's imparting to you, imparting wisdom, imparting uh, knowledge, authority, gifts, spiritual gifts. <laughs> Thanks, John. I love John and Jim Puma. Um, spiritual gifts. Can you grab me a, um, after you type that, can you grab me a, a further faster? I wrote a whole book on this because I want people to understand it. This is not a small thing. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Impartation is massive. Thank you, Heidi. It's a massive thing. God's system of increase in the body of Christ is impartation. Whether you look at Moses and Joshua, whether you look at Elijah and Elisha, whether you look at, thank you, Jesus and the disciples, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus, Paul and Philemon, Paul and Onesimus, whatever you may see, John the Revelator and Polycarp, Polycarp and Irenaeus, early church history, further, faster. I wrote this book. The way God takes you further, faster than everyone else is by the force of impartation. That's why I took the time to write uh, 220 pages on this subject of impartation because it's no joke. You need impartation. You need connection to spiritual men and women that will take you beyond where you are now. It's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on our website. Further, faster. Further, faster. It'll help you because impartation's massive. It's massive. That's how God increased people. You know what Paul said in the New Testament to the churches? He said to one church, I'm sending, I can't be with you, but I'm sending Timothy to tell you and show you how to live like I live. You know what that is? Impartation. You know what Paul said to the church in Rome? Romans 1.11. He said, I long to be with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Romans 1.11. I long to be with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. They had had no apostolic visits, no apostolic teaching in person. Paul said, I want to come and teach you. I want to come and be with you and impart to you spiritual gifts. I want to impart to you spiritual gifts. And so impartation is so needed. So, so needed. And if you don't have impartation connections, you need them. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Heidi. Romans 1.11. I long to be with you. Why? I want to impart spiritual gifts to you. That's right. Chris, Chris makes the comment and Chris, what's your last name? By the way, I always just see Chris boxing MMA and I saw you on TikTok, and I see you on YouTube, a sheep roaming around without a shepherd is dangerous. That's exactly right. You need spiritual leaders. You need impartation. You need it. God set it up. It's God's system. It's not man's system. It's God's system. It's God's system. He did it throughout the whole Bible. The whole Bible. And there's all kinds of things that can be imparted. Wisdom, strength, spiritual gifts, knowledge, all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Very, very important. And so, number four, no impartation connections. Number three, insufficient resources. Number two, wrong voices. Number one, unsure which way to go. Final one. Let me give you the final one. The fifth reason that people stay frustrated in life is because they have personally allowed discouragement to fill their life. They've allowed discouragement to come in. So they stay frustrated because they have feelings of discouragement all the time. 
And so that makes them feel frustrated. I, I'm not good enough to keep moving forward. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I don't have what it takes to, to complete my purpose. I'm uh, uh, insufficient. You know, all those feelings of discouragement will keep you in frustration. They've allowed, the reason I use that verbiage, they've allowed, is because you don't have to, thank you, Chris, that you don't have to allow discouragement in your life. You don't have to allow it. According to scripture, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. You can, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. You don't, you know what's so awesome about being a New Testament believer? You don't have to wait for someone else to encourage you. You don't have to wait for somebody else to encourage you. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. That's so powerful. What are some of the ways you can encourage yourself in the Lord? Well, number one, praising God. By praising God. If you'll praise God, the Bible says, you'll go right into his presence. You activate his presence because he inhabits the praises of Israel. But what happens in his presence? What happens in his presence? The Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. So when we get into his presence via praise, guess what's there? Joy. And guess what joy causes? Strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So guess what? As you praise God daily, you activate his presence. As you activate his presence, joy fills you. As joy fills you, strength fills you. Hallelujah. Fullness of joy and strength belong to you. As you do what? Praise God. As you praise God. What's another way to encourage yourself in the Lord? Another way to encourage yourself in the Lord is by praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. Say, are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. First Corinthians chapter 14 tells us that as Paul is giving the Corinthian assembly instructions on what they should be doing during their worship services. He says in first Corinthians chapter 14 and verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, edifies one translation says himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church, everyone that's present in an assembly. So speaking in tongues will build you up personally. Prophecy will build the whole congregation up. And Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. In Jude, which only has one chapter, verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Spirit will actually cause you to be encouraged in the Lord. Encouraged in the Lord. Praising God, number one. Praying in the Spirit, number two. Which will bring you self-encouragement. Edifies you, builds you up. Strengthens the faith that you already have, according to Jude. Amen. Well, what, what else can build you up in the Lord? Ingesting the mighty word of God, the Bible scripture, which is inspired and inerrant. This is from the mouth of God, breathed out by God. And when we ingest it, let me tell you what happens. Encouragement comes. Strength and healing comes. Again, I'll reference the words of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, Lord, I found your word and I ate it. I devoured it and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart or my soul. What did? The word that he found and ingested it, devoured it, and it became joy and rejoicing to Jeremiah. Listen to uh, Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 22. This is Proverbs four, 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Do you see that? If you are attentive to his words, inclining your ear to his sayings, don't let them escape from your sight or keep them within your heart. They're life to those that find them, healing to all their flesh. What did God tell Joshua? 
Let's go to Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, that's all the word of God they had back then. They had the law. That's it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, which means you're speaking it. You're speaking it. You're speaking it. But you shall meditate on it day and night. You're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, so that you'll be careful to do all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Notice that you'll not be frustrated. You'll be prosperous and successful. Prosperous and successful. From what? The word of God. The word of God. Let me give you one more. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And verse 32. Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. You ready for this one? Acts 20, 32. And now... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God is able to build you up and give you your inheritance, to build you up and give you your inheritance. So if you want to stay in a place... (laughs) He said, don't physically eat it when you're fasting. You get so hungry, your Bible starts looking good. Um, if If you're in a place where you've allowed discouragement in, you feel discouraged because you've allowed that to uh, be cultivated in your own personal life, you can drive discouragement out and encourage yourself in the Lord by doing those three things. Number one, praising God. Number two, praying in the Holy Ghost. And number three, reading and ingesting the word of God on a daily basis. No question. No question. Every single day. And I want to pray for you. You're not called to live in frustration. I hope this video, I know it was a little longer today. I hope it helped you because I don't want to see you frustrated. I don't want to see you stuck in one place. I don't want to see you not moving forward. I want to see every one of you accomplishing your purpose and doing exactly what God's called you to do with full efficiency and making impact in your generation. So Father, I pray today by the power of your spirit that whoever's watching, whether live or on the replay, maybe they're listening on the podcast and they've been dealing with this. They've been dealing with frustration in their own personal lives. They're dealing with this issue where they don't move forward. I pray that today would be the final day that they would deal with this. Lord, I thank you that these things I've taught from your word today, they are going to not only employ them, but it'll take quick effect in their life and that they'll be launched with momentum into what you've called them to do. I pray that they'll have clear direction today. Speak to them, Lord, by your spirit. I pray that they'll cut out every discouraging voice, every non-faith, fear-filled voice, doubt and unbelief voice. Cut it out today. I pray, Lord, that as they sow seeds by faith, sufficient resources will flood their hands. I pray, Lord, that they would have impartation connections that would take them further faster. And then, Lord, every bit of discouragement would be driven out as they pray, as they read your word, and as they praise you on a daily basis. Let this be the turning point for every one of your precious people. Thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise for what you're doing in our lives, our families, our businesses, our ministries. Thank you, Lord, for using us. Thank you, Lord, for touching us. We thank you that today is a new day of joy and encouragement, peace. We're running into these, in this final quarter of 2022 with divine momentum. We're going to have what we've never had, do what we've never done, and go where we've never gone. Amen. Yes, Heidi, we broadcast five days a week Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, every Monday through Friday. We're always here. And then if you don't have the app, you can get the Miracle Word app. It's free in your app store. And within the app, we have a 24-7 digital radio station that plays preaching and teaching nonstop. It's all free. It doesn't cost you anything. And it's our gift to you to build your faith because we love you. And, it, and we believe God has huge plans to use you in this final generation of time. And we're going after souls. We're going after people to see God do what he wants to do before Jesus comes. And that is, he's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Would you stand with us as we're doing that? 
And those of you that would, I would encourage you to partner financially with this ministry. You can go to miracleword.com to sow a seed there. There's many ways to give digitally using the app, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, whatever you use, or you can use your debit or credit card. You can mail a check. All of our uh, web pages have our address at the bottom, but we want to not only have you partner with us, but we want to partner with you, which means we pray for our partners on a weekly basis. We want to stay in touch with you. We want to continue to encourage you. And so I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith something that you can do on a monthly basis. Ask the Lord. Again, as I said in this broadcast, pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to sow in the month of September. And for everybody that is sowing in the month of September, we want to give you uh, this book that answers the question that's very frequently asked now. Can you be gay and Christian? Dealing with the LGBTQIA plus community scripturally, what does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about it? This is a conversation that sadly our kids and grandkids and we are facing every day. Uh, if you're in any kind of public school, you know, God's God, lo- you know, God's all for gay people. You got churches with rainbow flags that are even endorsing and uh, ordaining homosexual ministers. And this will help you. Dr. Michael Brown does an amazing job of answering this question from the word of God. How do you deal with this in our, in our current generation scripturally and with authority? This book will help you. It's our gift to you for anyone that's sowing uh, in the month of September. We love you very much and appreciate you for standing with us. We really love you. Again, Carolyn's going to be at Crossroads Community Church coming up on September the 24th. That's a Saturday. And uh, you don't want to miss this women's meeting. Um, Again, go to our website and um, register for this meeting if you're coming. The link to registration is on our schedule page of the website. Crossroads Community Church, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. It's going to be awesome. Again, we start in Montana this weekend. Uh, Bethany Church, which I'm so excited to see Pastors Jordan and Elizabeth work. We love them very much. And um, so Montana this coming weekend, and then it just doesn't stop through the fall. We'd love to see you in person. We'd love to have you live in revival. So check out our schedule page, make plans to join us. It's gonna be a great, great fall. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. Thanks for sharing the broadcast. And I'll be back with you in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.